Hello, hello, Kristen here. Just wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded before the podcast name change. If you hear any old terminology, that's why. Thank you for listening. Hello, hello, notable women. It is so exciting to be back with you again this week. I hope you're having a really great week. Wonderful, fabulous day. Super excited to bring you this episode. First, I just want to make sure that you know that I have a new motivational audio that I recorded just for you, full of daily mantras and a good way to start your day or to listen to while you're walking or driving, just helping you get in the right mindset so that you can have a fabulous day. You can get that at thenotablewoman.com slash motivate me. Now on to today's episode. Today's guest is Mary Lunen. She runs Dare to Blossom which is a coaching business that she runs both in the UK and online. And I really, really like Mary. She's got a great, wonderful demeanor. And I think what I think is amazing about her is that she's so relaxed, but also firm. And so I think that's a great combination in a life coach. Oftentimes I feel like life coaches are, you know, it's their way or the highway or it's only me and there's no other coaches. And and Mary is so just wonderful and delightful to listen to and hear about her process. And I think you're really going to dig this episode. So I'll be back at the end, fill in any gaps, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Notable Woman podcast. Today's guest has an amazing and powerful story, and I can't wait to dive right in. She made copper enamel jewelry, silk scarves, and hand-stitched patchwork, traveled all over Cornwall and Devon in an old banger-type car, where she cleaned her own clog carburetor with a screwdriver on the side of the road. She's tended bar. She's battled cervical cancer, all before becoming a business mentor to Prince's Youth Business Trust, a local college, and another local organization, which all led to Dare to Blossom Life Coaching, which is how she's changing lives right now. Please welcome today's guest, Mary Lennon. Hi, Mary. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Christine. It's lovely to join you. So tell us a little bit more about you that we don't get from that fabulous introduction. What do you love and what makes you tick? Well, what I love in particular is where I live here in North Cornwall, which is in the far southwest of the UK. I live about three miles inland from some stunning cliffs and beaches, surf beaches and some beautiful countryside. So my really deep love is that connection with the land where I live and, and walking and being out in nature. And that's what brings me a lot of inspiration for my work as well. That's amazing. It sounds lovely. I've never been. Now, how did you first make this transition from business mentoring into the life coaching that you do now? Quite a long story, but I'll start where I start. I heard about life coaching. I've been a business mentor, the voluntary one with the Prince's Youth Business Trust before, but I heard about life coaching when I was being made redundant from the place where I worked. And the organization has an employee support package which included counselling but not coaching and I'd heard about it then and decided to take it up privately and I just found the process so extraordinary for myself and knew I'd love to to retrain to be a coach myself so that was when it started. Excellent and now how did you go about becoming a life coach? What's sort of the process, the training involved? Um, It's interesting I mean part of it was life experience anyway because i'm not saying you can't be a a good and amazing life coach if you're a younger person but because i've been through such a lot already i think that brings a depth of experience and then because i'm in cornwall it's not that easy to access uh, big organizations i 
used a distance learning course, um, which I'm used to distance study and distance learning. That proved a very useful way to do it for me, sitting around my other work at the time. Excellent. That's fabulous. I'm a big fan of distance learning myself, and mostly because my background's in theater, so I do a lot of traveling. So it's much easier to commit to something that I could do, you know, at 3 or 4 a.m. whenever I had time. And now, as a mom to a tiny human, the same thing applies. It's so much easier to do things on my own time, so I'm a big fan of it myself. Now, I've spent a lot of time obviously talking to you over the past weeks that we've been working to get this scheduled with our different time zones and everything. And I spent a lot of time on your website. And it definitely seems to me that your coaching style differs from the traditional life coaches that I've met. So can you talk a little bit about how your style differs? Yes, it's evolved um, over the years. I started Dare to Blossom in 2003. And until June 2015, I was also working full-time in a nine-to-five job as well. And so it's evolved very slowly. And in the last 18 months, it's really, really blossomed, to use a phrase. The way it differs, I think, is partly through the experience I had in 1994 when I was diagnosed with cervical cancer, because that sort of set me back really on a spiritual path. And it was that wake-up call to really think about my life and where I was, which lots of people get either through illness or maybe other big life event that wakes us up and just take notice of what we're doing and how we want to live our lives. Uh, So because of that, I've always brought in all sorts of influences, if you like, into my work for myself and then share that outwards to, to other people once I've tried it out, if you like, and know how well it works for me. Awesome. Now, on your website, you talk a lot about creative visualization. How does that come into play in your coaching style? Yeah, that's a, a wonderful tool, again, which I've, I've practiced over many years. And when you think about the origins of any sort of coaching, it usually goes back to sports coaching. And that's a well-recognized tool within that field because people are encouraged to visualize themselves winning the race or scoring the goal or whatever the outcome is that they desire. So it's actually a very well tried and tested technique. And the way I've developed it for myself and then with the people I, I work with in coaching and in groups is a particular way, but it just helps people focus on a structure, if you like, because so many of us try to meditate and find that task of clearing our mind of thoughts entirely impossible because we have our human monkey mind that darts around all over the place. So I find that if people have some words to follow, and often they don't follow them, they go off on their own journey, but what it is is an anchoring point to come back to when they feel they need to or when they feel they've strayed a bit too far, and then for me to bring them back into the room and feeling in a safe, held place the whole time that they're on that journey. And it's a magical, I call it a magic carpet ride. That's the underlying um, phrase that I use. And that idea of a magic carpet is just such fun. People love it. (laughs) They respond to it. And it takes them on very deep and fruitful journeys. Excellent. I think it's interesting. I started doing visualization maybe a year ago, less than a year. It was after my son turned one and I stopped doing all the breastfeeding stuff, which was making me a little bit of a zombie. So I'm going to say it was maybe about eight months ago. And it is, I find, to be a really, really useful tool. I do micro meditation, but I'm not particularly good at emptying my mind. So I find visualization to be very useful. So if someone wanted to try to start doing visualization, do you have a suggestion on how they could start working it into their daily practices? Yes. The first starting point I use for coaching sessions or group sessions or for any of the recent recorded visualizations, which people can access on my website. And the first point is always breathing. I always encourage people to return to their breath, as you might do in yoga practice or tai chi and those sorts of disciplines. And that 
brings us back into our body and recenters ourselves. It links us to earth and spirit, if you like, whilst we're on the on the journey. And that's a good starting point because it removes us a little bit from the day-to-day worries and stresses and everything outside around us. And then listening to a recording is a really good place if you're not familiar with the process yourself. I use a lot of I use other people's recordings and use my own. And keeping a journal to hand so that you can jot things down either during your visualization or certainly at the end um, can be a great value for later on for you to review what's happened whilst you've been away on your visualization. And I think take it in easy steps, start off with short visualizations. Like anything, it is practice and it's keeping on that practice. That's why meditation is a practice and visualization is a practice. There's no right or wrong, it's just a question of using it as best you can for yourself in any one moment. Excellent. I'll definitely link to the visualization recordings on your website so people can get a sense of those. Now, something else I really love from the work that you do is the power flower. Can you tell us what that is and how does that work in your coaching? Yes, came out of the Dare to Blossom Rediscovery cards, which I developed in 2011. And they're a little pack of cards. Again, they're on the website so people can see them. Little pack of cards, and they've got just a single word and a colour on them. And I find them really valuable to help people get out of the problem-solving loop in their minds. When people come for coaching, they are naturally wanting to solve something that they don't feel is working for them. And that's, you know, we can do lots of goal-setting and action planning to deal with that. But often we get stuck in that and we can't see the possibilities that we're not aware of. You can't know the unknown and it's really hard to access that. But with a prompt like this little card drawn at random with a beautiful bright colour on it, that often just opens a door, if you like, and unlocks a different part of people's brain. Um, and then just this year, I was thinking a lot about this for myself, really. The thought came up, well, yes, it's great rediscovering our inner wisdom, which is how I describe these cards. It's great doing that. It's almost another question of what's that for? What am I going to do with this inner wisdom? And from that, in my own coaching, I have sessions with my own coaches and do my own inner work too because I feel that's absolutely essential for anybody. Um, In my own sessions, a whole lot of ideas came up. And this idea of a power flower, again, it's difficult in audio because I can't show you, but it's on the website. And these five words came up which make up a flower. So the centre one is peace. And then there are five four petals, sorry, with purpose, passion, power and progress on them. And what I've been doing with people in an in-depth one-to-one session is drawing a card for each of those points. So the middle piece one and the five, four, I keep saying five, I apologise, the four points around the outside. There's five cards that are drawn and exploring those with people just deepens the practice, deepens the process so much that it's proven very, very useful for people to use that as another way of exploring where they are now, where they want to be and how they're going to get there, which is basically what coaching is all about. Excellent. That totally leads me into the next question, which would be, how does someone know that a life coach is something that might work for them? What are the types of questions or situations they might be coming across in their life? Yes, it's interesting. It's often you know, not a, it's not a sort of crisis situation. If people are in crisis, you usually probably need therapy or counseling. And I've got enough training in those fields in counseling to know when I need to refer to somebody who's a fully trained professional, which I'm not in something like that to give them that immediate support. Um, role of coaching comes in very much when people are, are wanting to be even better than they are or just feeling a bit stuck, feeling a bit tight. And the, if I can remember the quote in full, which inspired my Dare to Blossom name, it comes from a Nesmin quote, if I'm saying that correctly. And the quote is, and then the day came when the risk to remain tight in the bud 
was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. I love that quote. It's a great quote. Indeed, you probably heard it before, and that's what really what people are describing when they are just stuck. Well, you know, what else is there? You know, what do I need to do? And it's, it's often at times of change. It isn't always at times of change. It's like you know, it could be children going to school or children leaving home. It could be divorce, bereavement, illness. All those sort of things often prompt some inner soul searching, if you like. Redundancy. I've been through three redundancies since the first one, where I first found out about life coaching, and all those sort of things that promote a big change. And, uh, and what I'd like to encourage people to think of is, is what I do for myself now is to use my life coaches as an ongoing professional and personal development method as well. So it's not about fixing anything. It never is. Coaching isn't about fixing. It's about helping you return to your center and be even more of who you are, be even more of the best possible self you can be to shine your light. That's awesome. I like that a lot, to be the best person that you are. Now, my next question for you is, so if someone knows that they feel like they could be more, they feel like they could do more, and they feel like a life coach might be for them, what would be the process they should go through to find a life coach? Yes, it's like any professional relationship. Some people will be right for you and some people won't. So what I encourage people to do is to talk to me. So I offer a free complimentary consultation so we can have a conversation. It's simply a conversation. It's not a sales pitch. It's not anything other than hearing each other's voices, perhaps seeing each other's faces on Skype, other video conferencing that I use, and just getting to know each other a little bit, just so we can see if there's any connection that will enable us to work together. I know just about every other coach I know would do a similar type of thing. So it's basically interview people. So you may meet them in physical meetings when you're out networking, if you run a business or talking to people at work, whatever it is. The key thing is obviously go on recommendations because they're important, but also talk to the person that you might use the coach you might use yourself because it's, it's very personal and sometimes I've felt that I can't really help the person that's come to me and I've suggested other coaches that I know which may have a different manner or a different set of skills which might be more useful for them and usually I find if people have got to the stage of talking they already know it's right for them they just need to hear my voice and, and speak and be really confident of that it's quite a big step because it can feel a scary thing to do and I know that from my own conversations with my coaches. And people need to be really comfortable that it's safe, that I'm totally professional, totally confidential, all those different things. That's what people say to me that I provide for them, is a safe, quiet place to be heard and to hear themselves and to be witnessed. And just have that sounding board, that mirror where they can have time to think. Excellent. Now, I'd love to ask you my final round of questions, which I always start with. What is the biggest assumption that people make about you? We can be laughed at that one. I think it sounds sounds self-critical, maybe it's not said anyway. I think because I've been brought up to be that nice, good girl that was never any trouble, always did things beautifully, it's almost like she's very nice. So is she going to challenge me enough in terms of being a coach? You know, maybe they feel I need something challenging. Um, but what I found people say after they get to know me is actually a good solid steel core to me, which actually means I'm not going to be, you think that, sorry. No worries. I have a pause and you can edit. Yeah, so people may think that I don't look tough enough to be a coach for them to keep them on track. What I do is enable other people to support themselves so that they can be their own coach, which is the only way it actually works. It's when somebody's standing beside you as a companion. I'm not a leader or a guide, not necessarily even somebody who pushes from behind. I'm somebody who stands beside you and helps you find your own way and make your own decisions. Excellent. Now, 
What would be one takeaway you would want people to get from this podcast episode? What I'd like them to take away would be that life coaches, and certainly I'm not anyway, aren't scary. They're not frightening people who are going to make you do things you don't want to do. Um, what I would do is to help people come back to themselves. And it may be that you don't want to change. Other people are seemingly forcing you to change and you don't need to, you don't want to. You just need to come back to your centre, to who you really are. And it's often that, oh, that's a relief. I don't have to do this, this and this. I choose not to. Sometimes that's a really big insight for people. So I think if it's, if it's the one thing would be to come back to what you know yourself in your heart. Now, do you have a book you would love to recommend to the Notable Woman audience? Well, I have some books of my own, if that's okay. Of course. The one that's a basic starting point. People who have not really experienced life coaching before and know very little about it. The first coaching book I wrote, which was published in 2008, called Dare to Blossom, Coaching and Creativity. Did I say that correctly? Coaching and Creativity. And that's really intended to be a simple list of exercises with examples that people can take themselves through to try out some of the tools that I use as the life coach and many other coaches do. And it's intent it is a thin, slim little book because a lot of the books I read when I was learning and still do when I'm learning about coaching are wonderful, but they're very thick, an awful lot to get through. And I intended this to be an easy to follow one, which people tell me it is. So there's that one. And then since then I've developed the, the rediscovery cards, as I mentioned. And just recently, I've published a companion guide to go with the cards. Um, there wasn't really an intention of doing that originally because my principle is that it's for you to interpret yourself. It's not for me to tell you anything. It's for your insight to guide you. Um, but people did like an idea of having some sort of structure and questions and some ideas of how other people have responded. So that one's come out as well last year. So they're on my website. So if anybody's been touched by the fact I've mentioned and you have to in that I've had cervical cancer. There are two books there as well, which are to do with that subject, which are quite old now, but people may be interested in those. The key thing is the, the two there have lost some books, depending on where people are in their journey, if you like. I will link to all of those. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. And I'm sure that there are a lot of women and people who are listening to this podcast that have some connection or have been touched by cervical cancer. So absolutely include those as well. Now, how can people get in touch with you if they want to connect? Well, the starting point is my website, which is www.daretoblossom, all in letters, no numbers, daretoblossom.co.uk. I'm in the UK, so I've got a UK suffix. I guess the contact, the contact form there. It's got Twitter and Facebook links there as well. Um, I'm LinkedIn, I think. So the easiest way would be to go pop on there, have a look, see if you'd like to talk, and then send me a, a contact email, and we could take it from there, and we can arrange, I work with people around the world, same way as we're talking, which is a wonderful use of technology, I love it, and that we can talk at a convenient time, with juggling time zone, and just take it from there. Yeah, it really is amazing, isn't it? You're in the UK, and there's beautiful beautiful location, and I'm in New York City, and we can just chat here over Skype, I think it's awesome. Certainly is magic too. Isn't it? Yeah, it is a little ma like magic. I totally agree. Well, Mary, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom with the Notable Woman audience. I really appreciate it, and I hope you have a beautiful day. Thank you. Wasn't that fabulous? I hope you enjoyed Mary as much as I did. Gosh, I love listening to people from the UK. Their accents just make me so happy. Why can't I have a British accent? But 
Besides that, I also hope you really enjoyed Mary's content. I love her style. I'm a big fan of visualization, so I'll be linking to all the stuff we mentioned in the episode in the show notes. Check it out. You can always go to the notablewoman.com slash podcast to find what you're looking for. And again, if you personally feel like listening to a little motivational audio would be useful, go to the notablewoman.com slash motivate me to get my latest audio. Thank you so much. Have a fabulous week, and I'll catch you again at the next episode. Bye for now.